Hi, I'm Chantelle. And I'm Matthew. And we're founders of Fifth Place, where our mission is to make the world a better place by enabling the how. Welcome, Welcome to, to our Emotions Matter, Matter Really podcast. In this podcast, we explore everything about emotions, feelings, and what it is to become and remain emotionally fit. We interrogate the taboo around expressing and talking about emotions and feelings. We talk about all those things we want less of, like stress, anxiety, and burnout, and the things we want more of, like sleep, calm, and self-care. April is International Stress Awareness Month. I'm not sure we need a special month to be made aware of stress, but maybe we do. We're also stressed out, but do we actually register that fact, or has this thing called stress become such a part of who we are, Chantel, that we don't even notice it anymore? Well, stress is a word that did not exist, actually, until it was coined by Hans Selye in 1936. He was a physician and a physiologist who defined stress as the non-specific response of the body to any demand for change. And I repeat, to any demand for change. Stress is a normal, natural bodily response necessary for survival. And not all demands for change are negative. But we've come to associate stress as being quite negative. Yes, indeed. So tell me, what actually happens when we have this thing called stress? So let's just look at what happens when we have something called a stress response. So something happens and your heart starts beating faster. You may breathe quickly or you may stop breathing altogether. The hair on your arms may stand up. You may feel sweaty and a bit nauseous. So that doesn't sound very great. But just let's think about how a top athlete feels before the gun goes off, a performer before they step onto stage, or someone sitting an important exam. So that stress response that you just described, it could be the excitement and nervousness that propels the athlete to perform at her best. It's those butterflies in the stomach that the actor will have when they're going to give that standing ovation performance. And then I guess that anticipation and drive to do well after studying really hard and preparing well for an exam. Yeah, that's exactly exactly that. And this is called uh, positive stress, also known as eustress. Um, what it does is it gives us a boost, often with some excitement at the perceived change. It motivates us because we feel like we are able to cope with the change and it spurs us into positive action. But yes, stress can also negatively impact a person's body, mood and behavior. Well, I'm guessing that whether the stress is positive or negative, this stress response and the surge that's felt in the body, it should be short-lived. And my understanding is that it's three minutes at most. And that's because the stress response, positive or negative, causes a flood of chemicals and hormones to wash through the body simultaneously shutting down momentarily unnecessary body processes things that aren't necessary things that we don't need like the digestive system the immune system and the reproductive system i mean this is 
fine, I guess, in the short term. But when the stress carries on and on and on, unabated for days or weeks or even months, then the damage can be severe. Yes, and when the surge is positively motivated, the action that it elicits allows the chemicals that are expressed or chemicals that surge through the body, it allows them to be expressed, to be let go um, through the body and then returning it to homeostasis or balance. But when the stress is negative, what we tend to do is we often contract, close down, repress or suppress the feelings and prevent them from being naturally expelled. And chronic, long-lasting or recurrent stress can contribute to health problems, many, many health problems. Things like high blood pressure, heart disease, anxiety disorders and gastrointestinal disorders. Mm, That's right. So being that stress is natural, has the prevalence of negative stress really increased or are we as a society just simply speaking about it more? So let's have a look at some of the stats. According to the American Institute of Stress, about a third of people report feeling extreme stress. Three quarters of people experience stress that affects their physical health and have stress that impacts their mental health. And nearly half of people have trouble sleeping because of stress. Well, if we look broader across the world, there's even an organization for stress called the Global Organization for Stress. And here's some of their findings. Nine out of ten Australians feel stressed about one or more important parts of their life. Nearly half a million workers in Britain believe their stress makes them ill. And more than eight out of ten Chinese workers report feeling stressed. In 2019, nearly two-thirds of professionals said that their stress levels at work were higher that year than they had been five years previously. Well, the um, information or the evidence is stacking up, but let's look at Gallup. Gallup's Global Emotions Report, surveying 160,000 people in 116 countries during 2020 and early 2021, showed that more people had been feeling stressed, sad, angry and worried in 2020 than in any other time since Gallup had started tracking. And you may think that this is, well, you know, of course, but it wasn't solely due to the pandemic, although the pandemic was a major contributor. It seems like happiness has been on a downward trend for over a decade. The poll concluded that 2020 was officially the most stressful year in recent history. And according to the American Psychological Association, adults surveyed in 2020 reported that increased stress had negatively affected their behavior, increased tension in their bodies, caused them to snap out of anger, caused unexpected mood swings. And then in 2022, nearly half of all adults in the US reported stress having negatively affected their behavior. So we're two years down the line after that. And the World Health Organization has dubbed stress as the health epidemic of the 21st century so well i guess not well i actually i don't guess i mean (laughs) (laughs) no it's not guessing there what i was going to say is if you listen to these stats from across the globe it does appear that we really are more stressed than we were a few decades ago Mm, i'd say so 
So what are some of the things that most commonly stress us out? What are some of the most common stresses? So let's have a look. Okay, so if we dig a bit deeper into this, the most common stresses seem to never really change. And these are money, work and family responsibilities. Mm, That makes sense. The onset of the pandemic introduced some new contenders and in 2020, 8 out of 10 Americans reported that COVID-19 had caused them stress. I'm not sure where the other two of the 10 had been. At the same time, the economy and the political landscape had also resulted in increased stress levels. Mm. Yes, and the cost of stress is something else. You know, it's really not good for the economy. It's estimated that job stress costs the U.S. industry more than $300 billion a year in absenteeism, turnover, diminished productivity, and medical, legal, and insurance costs. And it costs businesses a further estimated $125 billion to $190 billion in additional healthcare expenditures per year. And in this country, in our country in South Africa, workplace stress, burnout, and ill health costs the country around 40 billion rand a year. Those are some numbers, really. Mm. So how do we prevent ourselves? What are the ways that we can prevent ourselves from getting overly stressed? Mm. Well, you know, being that stress is natural, we can't always prevent it. We can't prevent what happens out there. Um, Stress is a normal response to changes in life. And the one thing we can be sure of is that changes are constant. It may feel like we're living through a period of tumultuous change. And I mean, I believe we are. But I think every generation goes through massive change. But if you track this back, this change thing, 3,000 years ago, Heraclitus, the Greek philosopher, was saying that the only thing that is constant is change. Didn't I just say that? Is your name Heraclitus? No. Is there something you're not telling me? (laughs) If life is one never-ending flow and stream of change, then the sooner we accept that, the sooner we can empower ourselves to more ably deal with the stress that comes with the change. Yeah, that's true. Um, But you know the media. So we have such easy and immediate access to media and on so many different platforms that there's really little one can do to escape from the incessant bad news, fake news, and propaganda. Sure, and there's lots of that happening at the moment. And this can also cause feelings of stress. Yes, indeed. My view there is we need to click off more. Anyway, coming back to this, behavior patterns, attitudes, mindsets. These things can contribute to being more or less affected by stress. What does that mean? We've come up with a group of people who have particular specific battles with stress and we're going to introduce them to you now. Right, so the first person that we want to introduce you to is perfectionist Pat. Pat is perpetually dissatisfied even though she has achieved status as one of her company's top salespeople. For her, it's never good enough. Small mistakes feel like huge failures And the shame, frustration and anger at herself that results leads to her to procrastinate about completing new projects. She avoids criticism, even constructive criticism, feels hurtful to her. 
and even when she's received awards for her accomplishments, she's not been able to feel proud and instead looks for the flaws, the places where she feels she could have done even better. So as a result, her high expectations of herself are standards so idealistic that it is unsurprising that she falls short and then has, of course, another opportunity to berate and beat herself up. Life is hard. Life is anxiety-filled. Life is very stressful for Pat. Next door to Pat is winning Winnie. Winning at all costs Winnie likes to achieve. Winnie is super competitive. Winnie drives herself to be the best at work, at her running and her studies. She's really satisfied with her achievements and is so goal-focused that she sacrifices her health, relationships and her happiness in the process. A hard-driving workaholic, Winnie is harshly critical and somewhat dictatorial at work. It's her way or the highway. She spends little time with her family as she's either working, training or studying. She's frequently exhausted, short-tempered, as well as stressed. She's got a perpetual frown on her face, her mouth's in a tight line, she barrels her way through life and feels strung out and angry all the time. Hmm, I'm sure both of us have met a winning at all costs Winnie in our lives, but uh, across the road from her, we meet Superwoman Stevie. So Superwoman Stevie wants to be it all. A brilliant executive, a caring mom, an attentive partner, a supportive friend, and a charming host. She tries to juggle career, family, her home, exercise regime, and social activities, but in the process, finds herself feeling stressed, anxious, and chronically fatigued. Well, I've never met anyone like that. Don't know what you're talking about. Mm, someone I knew, thankfully, has changed. So we have another character that we want to introduce you to. Next door to Stevie is Rescuer Reuben, and he's driven to help others. He's got a radar that seeks and finds those poor souls that need him, and then he flies in to save the day. And you know, I've met many people like Reuben. Helping others makes him feel purposeful, worthwhile, and loved. He can take over, making decisions for others, micromanaging the helpless, and enjoying being relied on. There is always something that needs to be done, some obstacle to overcome, or some noble mission that requires his help. But I can tell you this, Reuben is stressed. He stresses about everyone he helps, and everything that seems damaged and in need of rescuing. He also stresses because he can't help everyone. He cannot save the world. And he's exhausted, and is full of resentment at times that no one is ever there when he needs Hmm. Yes, I've also met someone like that. Or maybe a few people, but uh, particularly someone pretty close. Right. How is that person now? Hmm, much, much better. So, concluding our suburb of stressed out characters is Cannot Say No Chris. Chris may look a bit like Rescue Rube, but Chris's real problem is that she has no boundaries. She finds it excruciating to say no. She really just doesn't know how. But the words, can you do me a favor, give her an immediate stress response. 
She's always staying late at the office because she takes on more than she should. Her plans to go to a book launch were upended because someone asked her to collect them at the airport. And she missed the last episode of her favorite television show because she stayed after the PTA meeting to clean up. She agreed to organize the baby shower of her next door neighbor's daughter, even though she had never met her. And as a result, she missed out on going to her best friend's birthday lunch. But saying yes to everything because she doesn't want to come across as mean, lazy, boring or uncaring is just exhausting and stressful because it allows her very little time to focus on herself, her own goals and what makes her happy. So these people are really the extreme examples and I'm guessing you may have recognized a little of one or some of them in you, dear listener. So how to address and confront the stress that is a result of these kinds of behavior patterns? Let's go through them again and offer some suggestions. So perfectionist Pat could take some time to tune into her thought patterns and self-talk and then consciously recognize the good. This is pretty difficult for Pat, who can spot a mistake like an eagle can spot a frog. But taking a step back to see the bigger, better picture and recognizing what went well is a positive first step. No learning is done without mistakes. When we get to Winning Winnie, my suggestion for Winning Winnie is as follows. So she's been feeling the effects of her constant need to be at the top of her game. I'm not surprised to run at that kind of level. And it came as a shock because she lost energy. She was tired when she woke up. She felt lethargic and unmotivated at the thought of her work. Instead of running, she used to plod and she couldn't focus on her studies. She was on the verge of burnout. I will say that luckily for Winnie, she took note and looked for ways to come back to her body, something we're very big on, and attend to herself. She took a long weekend away from all devices, slept in, and then went on some slow, meandering walks instead of a run. She doodled, did puzzles, stared at clouds, looked out the window, watched the trees losing their leaves, and this did her the world of good. Her shoulders fell from her ears, her breathing slowed down, her face softened. Rest matters, self-care, acknowledging her value as well as her achievements, stepping off that comparison carousel and excelling at her own pace. These are all valuable lessons that Winnie was going to work on to reduce her stress levels and then start enjoying her life, her home and her family again. Mm, that's great. And then Superwoman Stevie knew she needed to take off that cape of hers and change her ways when her spouse and children started commenting on her increased irritability, her forgetfulness and restlessness. She also had headaches and other aches and pains that showed up. She realized that she had to learn to ask for help, take time out for herself, and learn to set boundaries. Rescue Reuben was sick and tired of feeling like a doormat. Yes, I know exactly how that feels. He understood that he had to draw a line and set boundaries, if he was going to retain his self-respect. Learning to also set boundaries, delegating responsibility for tasks and chores, as well as honoring his own well-being, looking after himself, were key to him feeling less stressed, as well as walked over mm. and taken for granted. Mm. Yes, 
No one wants to be walked over. Much like Rube cannot say no, Chris knows she has to learn to do what is so alien to her being. Setting boundaries and saying no. Not being able to say no, however, is not a personality defect. It is something that has been socialized into many of us. It is a learned behavior. So working it out of her habitual response profile took something of a study. First of all, of herself. Acknowledging why she would automatically say yes was the first step and then training herself to take a breath between the request and her response and practicing saying no in ways that don't even have the word in it. If we look back at the strategies for every one of the characters in the stressed out group, we can see that there are some similarities. Each one arrived to an awareness of how their behavior was no longer serving them and a desire to be different. There was an acknowledgement that the stress was no good and was impacting their ability to live optimally, have resourceful relationships with colleagues, family members and their children. Now having gained awareness of the impact that stress can have and possibly acknowledging that, yes, it's time to do something about it, let's have a look at strategies for addressing stress. We've categorized these under the five pillars that underpin fifth place approach to life, love, and being in the world. The five pillars are thinking, feeling, moving, nourishing, and relating. Let's start with thinking. And here the emphasis is on thought patterns and attending to your self-talk. When stressful events occur, you may immediately go to negative thoughts that pop up without any effort or you consciously going there. In this instance, the trick is to catch yourself having these thoughts and bring them into your awareness. Do you notice the words could, should, must, have to? Hmm, when these show up, ask yourself, is it true? Is it real what I'm thinking? It probably isn't. It more than likely is a habitual negative response that you can then choose to change. And what about your self-talk? Can you notice when you are being harshly critical, unaccepting and dismissive to yourself? Stop. Notice. Avoid criticizing yourself again and then start practicing talking to yourself as you would to a close friend, your child or a respected mentor. Feeling comes next and here the focus is on coming back to your body, tuning in and listening to what it has to say to you. This does mean you have to slow down and be quiet for a moment. How does your stomach feel? Your head? Do you notice any aches and pains? How are you sitting or standing? Is your body telling you it's time to take a break? And of course, if you're feeling overwhelmed, upset, angry, anxious, you can do some shape of emotion to get relief. And then this relief will also allow you to think clearer, make better decisions and choose differently. Moving is the next pillar, and it's a great one, because when we move it, move it, move it physically, we help move our emotions too. You don't have to embark on a whole new expensive exercise regime, simply going for a walk a few times a week, choosing movement and exercise that works for you, like dance, yoga, swimming, running, weights, climbing, surfing. Whatever it is that gets you out and moving will work to support you and build up your physical as well as emotional fitness. The nourishing pillar covers not only attending to what you are eating, but also includes taking care of yourself. Bring your awareness to what you are eating. 
being conscious about what your body needs, and not automatically reaching for the stodgy sugary snack stuff. It does ask for more planning though around buying healthy food and making wholesome meals, something that can be a challenge when stress is all around and all pervading. So here we have to turn to taking time out for ourselves, nourishing ourselves, nourishing yourself in even small ways that can replenish your resources. And while you sit for a moment in the sun, write up that shopping list and research some quick and easy healthy meals, as well as who you can rope in, in your family, to help you. Mm, yes, get some help. And finally, the relating pillar. Being overly stressed and stressed out over an extended period of time negatively impacts our relationships. As social beings, developing and maintaining trusting close relationships are key to our ability to thrive. And they support us when we feel overwhelmed. The first person to build a better relationship with is yourself. Then reach out and connect with loved ones, friends and trusted colleagues. Tell them how the stress has impacted you as well as what you are doing about it and how they can support you and you them. Remember, it may feel as if you're the only one feeling this way, but more than likely, many people around you are also feeling stretched, stressed and concerned. Knowing that you can support each other will make a difference too. And there we have it. Like change, stress is not going to go away, but the way that me, you, Chantel, can all respond to the stresses and stressful events will make the difference. Whatever you choose to do, it's very, very important to acknowledge your successes. And if you fall back on bad habits, which you may do, then just come back. It's always about the consistency. And if you'd like to experience what it feels like to get relief from your stressful feelings, then we invite you to attend an emotional fitness class. We hold them live twice a week for free on the Mindfulness app Insight Timer. And in addition, there are a number of useful recordings available where we use Shape of Emotion. And you can use these to feel less stressed in the absence of a live session. And to close out this episode of Emotions Matter Really, our poem for you has been chosen for you to listen to now and maybe come back to when you are feeling particularly frazzled and stressed out. Thank you, Chantel. Take it away. Remember by Joy Harjo. Remember the sky that you were born under. Know each of the stars' stories. Remember the moon. Know who she is. Remember the sun's birth at dawn. That is the strongest point of time. Remember sundown and the giving away tonight. Remember your birth. How your mother struggled to give you form and breath. You are evidence of her life and her mother's and hers. Remember your father. He is your life also. Remember the earth whose skin you are. Red earth, black earth, yellow earth, white earth, brown earth. We are earth. Remember the plants, trees, animal life, who all have their tribes, their families, their histories too. Talk to them. Listen to them. 
They are alive poems. Remember the wind. Remember her voice. She knows the origin of this universe. Remember you are all people and all people are you. Remember you are this universe and this universe is you. Remember all is emotion, is growing, is you. Remember language comes from this. Remember the dance language is, that life is. Remember. Yes, remember who you are beneath the stress and pain. Remember. And with that, it's time to say farewell. So from me, Matthew, bye for now. And from me, Chantel, be kind and be gentle to yourself. Listen to your body. And until next time, bye for now. If you enjoyed this podcast and haven't already done so, please subscribe or follow us. You can also find out more about what we do by visiting our website, fifth.place. Yes, that's all it is, fifth.place, the number five, T-H dot place. And for more ways to manage your stress, we invite you to try out our mini audio course called How to Master Your Emotions. To let go of anything stressing you out, we encourage you to attend a free online emotional fitness class. And both of these are linked in the description for this episode.